and we're recording. All okay. right. Cool. So we're going to do a question and answer episode again. We are. Think- but firstly, Luke, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I've obviously, as you know, spent a long time doing that monotonous like editing of the exercise library. So I feel good that that's kind of come to an end. You are our hero for doing that. Um, okay, right. Let's go in yeah, and to obviously stick with to stick with tradition. Our first question is on protein. <laughs> All that protein. Oh god, we love it. Oh. However, there aren't too many. So, um, what are good sources of protein for veggies and vegans? You're probably going to have some better answers to this than me. Um, Because, yeah, you've worked with a couple of veggies and vegans. Yeah. They they tend to not like me. (laughs) I don't. Well, when you post about steak all the time, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I would go with... If you are vegetarian, some great sources obviously include things like eggs, whey, dairy, um, things like cottage cheese, quark, which is like a type of soft cheese, things like that, because they're all great, complete sources of protein. If you are a vegan, you're probably going to be looking at more things like tofu, corn, seitan, um, beans, pulses, stuff like that. Um, But what you've got to remember is that a lot of those plant-based sources of protein will not be what we call complete proteins. So they will not have the right amount of all nine essential amino acids. So you may have to pair some of those items together, at least at some point throughout your day. Um, I think we had a question like this before because I remember saying beans on toast. So being yeah. um, matched with like a whole grain toast will give you a complete source of protein. But a lot of the um, like the fake meat products and there are apparently some good ones. So I guess it depends why you might be a vegan. So I have a client who's a vegan and she uses a lot of um, like substitutes like fake and fake chicken, stuff like that. Whereas I know for some people, they don't actually like that some of those products are made to look like meat. So, and yeah. to them, it's like if meat's the issue rather than more like animal welfare or the environment, I think it can be a bit different. Um, but yeah, those would be my main my main things. Yeah, I think some great examples there um, and putting the emphasis on to pairing those protein sources as well, trying to getting a nice kind of diversity within your diet just to kind of take it a little bit further um obviously i am dating not a vegan but someone who is dairy intolerant so ages i thought sarah was a vegan and i'd be like is she Uh, we do have some great fun like when we go out for for food and there was this one time we went for pancakes and she ordered the the vegan pancake but with bacon the the waiter was so confused (laughs) (laughs) i enjoyed it quite a lot um but a good getting a good vegan protein powder as well is something that can really help in the diet because a lot of vegans vegetarians struggle to increase their protein intake without increasing their carbohydrates or fat sources through a lot of kind of 
dietary sources like obviously like grains pulses and things like that have higher uh, content of carbohydrates um so some good ones are awesome supplements especially the um salted caramel salted caramel salt yeah mm. salted caramel chocolate or something that's a very good one um that's that's quite thick chocolatey and heavy um there's another one she's tried i think it was like bulk powder one the vegan one from there it was very sort of on the contrast of like very kind of thin and didn't really taste of much at all so it depends what you're kind of after um but most of the vegan proteins do have some kind of grainy taste but it's trying to kind of get rid of that as much as possible but i do like the um the vegan awesome supplements one i will now and again steal it for oats it goes it goes well in oats um better than whey actually but it's normally if i've run out of whey i'll be like I'll have a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, perfect. Right, question number two. How does achieving 10 to 12,000 steps a day benefit people? So, yeah, in I've probably got two main kind of benefits in my mind that come to come to me first off. One would be because generally today, like not today specifically, but like today is in this kind of, (laughs) (laughs) but people are quite sedentary and don't really move much at all. And a lot of us are kind of like office-based and not, well, a lot of our work now is sitting at a laptop. So we don't really move as much. And then we sit at a laptop working all day and then we get home and they're like oh well i'm just gonna sit and watch some tv so we're not really getting one sort of much exercise but two any sort of light exposure fresh air and the sort of the mental clarity of just being able to go out and detach from all like the the daily sort of life and it's a good chance to have a kind of nice kind of mindfulness task of just walking and thinking or listening to a podcast doing some learning whatever it is so those are kind of my two biggest benefits i'd say yep agree um and then in terms of obviously like ten thousand is quite an arbitrary number but it's one that a lot of people within the fitness space like to use as a marker essentially the reason that's come about is a it takes you about an hour and 40 minutes to do 10,000 steps if you try to do it all in one go it's obviously like Luke said it's a good stretch of time outside moving not sitting on your bum um but also in terms of if you're trying to maybe lose some weight um and you don't necessarily want to strip back your calorie intake you're essentially just burning more calories by making yourself get out and move so the reason us as coaches will often set step targets is basically to get you out and move the numbers we set aren't necessarily magic numbers but if somebody comes to us and they're doing i don't know say four to five thousand steps daily if we can get them up to around eight thousand we've almost doubled that which means they're going to naturally be burning more calories and therefore their weight loss goals will be easier to achieve than solely by stripping back food yeah i think don't don't hold me to this but i think um in sort of the research and 
general kind of public guidelines, they say between like four and six shows benefits of combating like metabolic disease, metabolic syndrome, metabolic disease. Um, so that's where the public kind of guidelines came from, like eight to 10,000 steps per day. And obviously then fitness, fitness professionals, we're like, we'll go for the top end of that. So 10,000 is yeah. the target. Uh, but I think that's where I say like it depends on on the individual and what they're kind of doing generally anyway because for example if we've got someone that is a laborer they're going to be getting a hell of a lot of exercise and daily steps anyway so like we're not going to then be like oh yeah you need to track your steps because I'm like boy you you're just walking all day so don't worry about that that's one thing we can kind of tick off that you don't need to track because I'm pretty sure you're going to be getting it anyway and yeah. it's hard general daily work. So let's just focus on like removing that as a, a limited factor and focus on like your resistance training. Beautiful. Okay, juicy one here, Luke. Ooh. And this is from my client, Sam, um, who is honestly, she is the best person. Whenever I say that we're doing a Q&A podcast, she gives me like eight questions. <laughs> so her Thank question you, Sam. is, would you ever consider competing? And I can't remember, did we touch on this in the last one? Uh, I'm not sure if it was the last one, but... Um, one of them. Very loosely. Um, so who is this directed at, me or you, or just generally? Both, both. both. I think it's nosiness. Which nosiness. So my answer is a really, really swift no. Well, consider, have done, thought about it very briefly, joked about it a lot, and then decided actually I couldn't afford to anyway and I have no interest in starving myself to become an incredibly small human to stand on a stage and have a load of people I don't know decide whether or not I deserve a placing Um, and also a lot of competing relies on symmetry (laughs) (laughs) when you have one arm shorter than the other I basically feel like I would just be like I'd come last because they were like there is absolutely no symmetry on that girl because absolutely none of my body is the same so so it's a no (laughs) (laughs) everyone that's listening um Harriet walks around like she's got swagger but she's just walking normally but she's just like dropping up dropping one shoulder (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I think we might have actually talked about this before the last podcast so it wasn't actually in it um but yeah so I've I kind of grew up wanting to and very sort of focused on that sort of what, what I wanted to do and the the older I've got the sort of less that interest has kind of really appealed to me and it's more the fact of around like you say getting on the stage and just kind of being judged in something that is very much an objective sport it's not like you you lifted the weight or you didn't um it's very much if you your body type um the symmetry appeals to the judges and it, even sort of from my experience, it comes down to sometimes of like, oh, you trained and were coached by this person. You your um, your posing practice was with this person, so that that's going to put you higher within this federation. I'm like, I can't be dealing with that bullshit and that like incestuous nature of like dealing with each other. Um, yeah. 
so I'm more sort of gravitating towards the fact of doing a lot more sort of like just photo shoots and getting lean through uh, sort of different phases and just improving my physique and my body composition to just what I want to at that kind of time and setting sort of my own goals, not necessarily having to wear some little pants on stage. Um, and they are rank for, for the boys. Oh, I mean, the yeah. don't love the bikinis. Um, but no, yeah, and they're, they're expensive. The lineup as well, doesn't it? Like it depends who is in your category and who yeah. you're against. Um, and that to me is like a firm, yeah. uh, my self-esteem wouldn't be able to happen. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out completely for me um, because I may get that kind of urge to do it once um, at some point, but at this kind of current time, I'm not really considering it. Um, I'm just going to keep pushing Rob and making sure he keeps doing it <laughs> and he can be the front man. For anyone that hasn't seen Rob, A, go and follow him and B, he is our resident competitor and he looks, Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's a pretty severe look he's got going on. I'm just really concerned for Rob because he goes so red when he lifts and obviously he lifts such a lot of weight. Every time he posts a video, I'm like, your brain is going to explode. I find <laughs> wait, it quite concerning. <laughs> wait till you start lifting heavy again. Oh, I, I burst all the blood vessels in my face once. Oh, no. <laughs> You've got, there's a, there's a prominent vein on your forehead and I bet he comes yeah. Out when you oh yeah <gasps> okay can't wait to see that <laughs> right okay a bit of a um a longer one to answer now so and this is mm. again probably a little bit more um of our personal opinion so if and i've had to i've had to try and word this and i because this is from um one of my clients and we've had chats about this before if a housemate perhaps you live with or a friend is feeling a little bit triggered by you dieting and like the process of you weighing out your food or tracking your food, how do you, how would you advise somebody to balance being like empathetic to the way they feel while still staying on your kind of in your lane and very committed to your own goals? Because some people don't understand tracking and they think their natural kind of view on it or their experiences of it is that it's very restrictive or that dieting in general it can be quite triggering for a lot of people for various reasons yeah say you were living with somebody and in their their attitude towards you dieting was quite negative how would you deal with that that's a really interesting question actually um thanks (laughs) i think there's a couple of ways you can approach it um one would be to try and understand why it's actually triggering them um is there because you don't necessarily know what their their past is or what their opinions are they just fairly uneducated about that that side of things um in in the fact they don't really understand what calories and macronutrients are and how they impact our body composition so it may be a fact of there they might be willing to learn and educate and be open sort of progressing their knowledge as well it's just a lack of understanding that they're being kind of triggered by that or is there some not like past trauma but have they have sort of um disassociated sort of eating patterns in the past or a poor relationship with food do they have 
their own health battles that they're trying to combat. Um, that would be sort of where my mind goes straight off, um, trying to kind of understand what their their position is at this time. Um, and that will indicate where you can kind of go forwards. On another kind of separate note, in terms of things that you could do, you could, and it's not necessarily just for them, but in ease of um, making life simpler for yourself, try as you have a better understanding of tracking and of food portions, there's things that you can do so you don't have to necessarily, for example, weigh that portion out every time. So pre pre-designated portions for example like if you're having a bag of microwavable rice that you're having like half of that or um, prepping meals for example you might be able to do that at a certain time they might be off shopping so they don't see a lot of this and then you're just grabbing the meal out and eating it so they don't necessarily see that kind of process behind what you're doing um or like when you're having tubs of yogurt or something, you might be having the whole tub or half a tub, um, the whole tub club. Um, if you're having, <laughs> that, that's really for the ice cream, but we'll, we'll go with Greek yogurt. yogurt. <laughs> Never heard of anybody accidentally eating a 500 gram tub of yogurt, I'll be honest. I do on purpose. <laughs> like, ah, oh, protein sitting there. Oh, no. Yeah. But yeah, those kind of pre-designed, and pre-designated portion control might be um, ways that you can kind of change some of that, some of your your diet and diet plan in a sense to make things easier. What are some of your your thoughts? Okay, so I, I think you've got a lot on this. I have, I have quite a lot, and there's <laughs> so this came up a few weeks ago, and this was um, originally genuinely a client question, and. I also asked both Emma and Amelia for their input. Um, the perks of being an EIQ student is yeah. basically got access to their brains, which is fantastic. And because Amelia, for example, comes from, and Emma too, but um, comes from a very kind of compassionate coaching place. What I found was really interesting was that they kind of said the same thing in that from um, the the your perspective as the person who is, potentially triggering somebody else maybe check with yourself are you maybe talking about your dieting endeavors too much mm. do you sound a little bit obsessive do you actually if you check yourself go or maybe I, I do talk about this too much and I think sometimes that can come from an excitement point of view so the client that asked the question in particular has done phenomenally well she has both a brilliant physical and most importantly mental transformation over the last 12 weeks and it wasn't planned as 12 weeks but that was how we ran her first diet phase so her changes have been mega but she's thrown herself into it basically she got all her ducks in a row so she's naturally very excited by that and I think wants to share it um yeah. and I think there are potentially some issues in the background for her housemate and they have had, they have since had a little bit of a chat about that but kind of the most important thing that I took away from speaking to Emma and Amelia was that actually you're not responsible for how somebody else feels and as long as really you're not being obsessive 
ramming it down their throats. If they don't want to see you weigh your food, it's on them to leave the kitchen. Like in a shared space, yeah. it's not for you to feel like you can't be comfortable in doing what you want to do. And this, and the client in particular has a very healthy relationship. It wasn't an obsessive weighing. She just basically wanted to nail it and wanted to get herself to a certain place. And we've done that. And we're now kind of working, you know, to we're, we're now up to maintenance. We are removing some elements of tracking. So yes, naturally her, the, the kind of the perceived, um, I don't know, like not obsession with tracking, but it will become less obvious as she moves away and feels more confident in her own more intuitive eating style. But I think one of my favorite bits was, well, if they're triggered, then that's on them. And it's on them to do the work themselves, not for you to always try and bend for somebody else. And if they don't want to do that in a work because of whatever reason, that's kind of on them and you can only do so much. So exactly all those things you said in terms of like being more aware, yet maybe like dishing up food for a couple of days, stick it in a Tupperware so you can eat and go. But past a certain point, no, yeah, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, I think it's it's harder being in the situation of where it's a um, a shared space and not in in terms of like a, a family, because sometimes if we're going through any um, like pre-design for like a prep, taking someone to a bodybuilding prep or a quite intense sort of phallus phase or something or someone that's very new to things that they're a bit worried about their their other half we will sort of guide them to try and talk to them and be sort of open before they sort of go into this process um, to make sure that they're kind of included in what's going to happen. They can provide support and help and they understand why we're doing these certain things. Um, Like another example, like again with Rob, like before he went into his last prep, which was his first bodybuilding, meet his other half like um gotten to like sit down and talk about it and make sure that we knew sort of what was happening and she got involved and like started helping him like um calculate like some of his meals and things like that and just knowing that she was on the same sort of wavelength as him and that it was a a pre-designated time frame that could put everything into it it helped release some that stress opposed to being like halfway into prep and finding that there's that stress that all kind of bubbles up and comes out in the middle of it. And they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? We've tackled those issues beforehand. Um, but in, in this sort of situation where it's a, a shared space and it's, it's a friend, not someone that you're in a relationship with, it, it becomes harder um, because yeah. I say you don't necessarily have that understanding beforehand to be able to talk through things and I think you're right as well like there is only so much you can put into helping other people um yeah at the end of the day you've got to focus on yourself you to do, a you large do degree yeah Absolutely. but communication in in all aspects is definitely definitely helpful yeah okay so next question, another long one. Um, how do you go about managing your own needs when perhaps your environment changes? And this is quite specific in this client lives away from home. 
but has come home for around a month and has found that while she's been away, there's been quite a physical transformation, mental growth, mental clarity. Um, she's come back in a really strong mindset, but has found old habits kind of creeping in. And maybe people in the, the home environment aren't necessarily, because they've not watched the last few months, um, they're very kind of treating her how she used to be or thinking that nothing's changed so how would you kind of how would you go around like managing your own needs in that sense and like trying not to fall back into old habits I think one of the hardest things at that point is in that situation as well like not 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 realizing and not knowing so you're kind of at that point where you're getting into it and you're like okay you've realized that which is the first like big barrier and now it's trying to break that down because going forwards in the future you know that okay when you come home for a couple months there's going to be these issues so you can again like put kind of contingency plan in place ahead of time and be like okay this is what barriers I I faced last time this is the stuff I struggled with um how can I make sure I'm improving going forwards but trying to understand what things are potentially triggering you to fall into those bad habits is it um like certain emotions certain feelings conversations or just that that environment you're you're being in um really my biggest bit of advice would just be try and just note things down just look at what at this point what issues you are facing what are the 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 bad habits and what have you learned over these last couple of weeks couple of months um that you've sort of fallen into good habits of and what things could you do to change those and they're going to be very specific on each of those tasks for example it might be I'm trying to pick a like a random habit falling back on let's say struggling I don't struggling to get steps in like just falling out the habit of going for a walk it's something they did when they were at home yeah yeah so at home you might have sort of started to get a good amount of steps in through the day and it didn't feel like you're necessarily having an issue to get them going back home be like okay I'm going to set a designated time to go out for a walk that's going to get me to hit my steps it might be first thing in the morning get up go for a walk get back and then doesn't matter what else happens through that day you've already got your steps in or the majority of them um and that can be your like new temporary habit that combats that issue agree i think my advice to the person in question was very similar and as well focus on what you can control so if say moving back home for a bit means that your mum cooks all your meals again sit down have that conversation explain that you're trying to prioritize you know lean protein fruits and vegetables um but maybe leave yourself you know a buffer in your calories so maybe in your first meals of the day you reserve a little bit of carbs reserve a little bit of fats maybe pull back on what you might have been having before allow some extra calories for your evening meal so that even if you can't track it you can know roughly right i'm within my calorie balance for the day and yeah one of my biggest things always is don't rely on anybody else to take you for a walk so get up and prioritize it in your own time or be firm with telling people what your plans are don't feel like you always have to bend to 
everybody else you might want to be like right um it's you know it's saturday just to let you know that i'm gonna get up i'm gonna go for a walk between eight and nine but after that i'm cool like we'll do whatever for the rest of the day or i'm gonna get up and go and train early like yeah yeah at the end of the day you are an adult and you have control over your time of what you do like there's gonna be some situations where you don't have that specific control like you might not be able to you might not drive and so you can't go to a gym because where you normally are you can walk around the corner to the gym so that might be out of your control you might be able to get someone to drop you but there's going to be certain situations where it doesn't work but it's just a case of okay like assess the situation beforehand put in a plan and be an adult and just like do it. it hashtag be an adult <laughs> okie dokie so next question um obviously everybody is different but is there a fairly standard length that a diet phase should be no No. Um, (laughs) i love that both of our faces went no no there's no there's no standard length like you can theoretically you could start dropping fat over like a couple of days and then be in a surplus for a couple of days and then in a deficit for a couple of days and then maintenance. And over 10 years, you will lose body fat, but it's not going to be, it's going to take you 10 years. Like no one wants that. Um, I, it will take you a minimum couple of weeks to start to see some result results and to build up enough of a deficit to start like utilizing body fat and your stores of body fat and to have enough of that fat loss to make visual changes um and then on the other end of the spectrum from experience once you start to kind of get beyond like 10 weeks of like a a fairly in like a a fairly aggressive diet um that's going to be an effective diet it's more the fact of the psychological effects start to creep in um physical like tiredness and it you just get sort of very drained so it's probably going to be a fact of if you don't end it soon like you're more likely to start to slip up on things more likely to overeat not be in a uh, not be in a deficit and then end up just kind of spinning your wheels so like and that's I think that's typically where a lot of people come from this sort of 12 week number because it fits nicely it's a good time frame it's like a quarter of a year it's like divisible by like four weeks um and it's just like a nice round number but you can go for fat loss phases that are 20 weeks 24 weeks 30 weeks but it's just grueling and you that's the majority of a year like when you're in a fat loss period for a long time you've got to remember that you're down regulating a lot of the systems of the body and that's not going to be good long term but there is the, the i can think of what like one study off the top of my head that the guy was i think he fasted for like a year um mm. and he lost a hell of a lot of body weight 
and it's like he's obviously fine fine yeah but it's just who the hell wants to not eat for a year like nobody wants to be in a diet for that long it's just not fun so it's it's balancing that length of time that it's aggressive enough to make substantial changes and you get enough of change that you want but not being reserved and slow and easy that it just drags out so it's you got to remember like you can do phases of fat loss like go in get a, a a period of set time in a more aggressive fat loss phase then come out of it, bring your calories up to maintenance, let some of the uh, systems of the body reset, resensitize, have a little bit of a break. Don't go like into a major surplus and have those like major fluctuations, just back to maintenance, let everything reset again, and then go into another fat loss phase. And you can have that broken up over a longer duration. Yeah. But short answer, no, there's no like, specific kind of ideal time frame agree agree my first diet phase was about 24 weeks and it was disgusting and I spent a lot of that time exactly as you said spinning my wheels it was horrific in hindsight I should have just done the training plan tried to find out my maintenance but I went in with the goal of yeah coach I want to lose fat and I had I was absolutely not ready to commit to the behaviors I needed my weekends were still, a bit yeah. OTC, still eating out too much didn't explain you know to my other half that okay this is what I'm going to be doing so I just learned absolutely nothing in terms of balancing any of it um I like to do eight to 12 or 12 to 16 weeks at a push it, again it depends on the client it depends on their time frame and it depends on their goal but you're right eight to 12 is quite a sweet spot if somebody's got their ducks in a row Um, because if you're not going into it with either the the right attitude or the 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 mental clarity that it is going to get a little bit tough that will make even eight weeks feel horrific um but I wouldn't say there is any point in doing much less than eight weeks because the minute you start to see changes you then pull yourself back up to maintenance the scales don't sit where your new low weight was. They'll bounce around a bit and that can be a little bit of a head fuck. Um, it it yeah, does it said. does matter a little bit on what your end goal is as well because if it's just kind of general fat loss just to look and feel more confident and change some have some positive body composition changes then you've got a little bit of leeway that you can if things are going like you can still like if you're eight weeks in and things are still pretty good you don't like you're making good progress you're not feeling like major diet fatigue and you think you could probably eke out another two three weeks you could add that on um if you get into that point and like oh shit i'm just like i want to stick my head into a bag of doritos like now then <laughs> then it's probably going to be a bit of a different but if you've got a for example like a specific date like a a show a photo shoot um anything then you're going to work back from that and 
you're going to want to be in like the best condition you can for, for that. Wow, that's a grown up ringtone. Wow. I like that. Yeah, but so yeah. if you've got a, a specific date that you need to work to, like you're going to work back from that and you've not got that wiggle room. So I would, you'd probably want to give yourself a little bit more time to be able to counter anything that fucks up, basically. I like it. Okay. One more then. One more question, I think. Last question. These have all been good. These have been quite long mm. ones, which I've enjoyed. Um, These have been good. Okay. So nice ending, actually. How do I know when to have a deload week? And are they always a week long? Okay, cool. Yeah. So first off, let's go for the end bit. Are they always a week long? Not necessarily. Um, all you're looking for is for fatigue to drop. Um, that could take a couple of days. It could just be a week. So then you're rotating back into your normal sort of weekly training program. But if the like your your sessions might have run over towards the end of it and you take then a couple of days off and go into a new training program once everything has subsided um, and like general fatigue, systemic fatigue has all settled you're feeling good you, you're ready to push back into the next training session then you're good to go um i it just typically works that most people work on like a weekly structure like they go to work monday to friday and then have their week weekends their programming for the gym they have like set days that they can go to the gym so it's easiest just to okay okay this week long is going to be a deload um reduce your training volume and then move on yeah, um, kind of started to cover like why do we need deload there, but as I say to reduce that fatigue and allow us to recover from the 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 previous kind of couple of weeks that we've been accumulating fatigue, accumulating progressive overload, and taxing our central nervous system, taxing our physical musculature, and causing stress to our bodies. So we're letting that all of that settle letting ourselves be in a position where we can recover and actually go into another training phase that's going to be productive and not yeah. just keep pushing because you, it's the amount of times I've had a, a, a client where we've, we've got into that sort of point where they're like going to need that sort of deload weight. I can you can start to see them like the numbers are like at, at that point where you can tell that they need the deload and then they've gone, Oh, I'm going to push one more week. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well, sometimes you need a bit of a lesson. So I'm like, okay, see how you go. <laughs> but first session into that week, they're like, no, I'm done. I can't. I just, the numbers dropped. I couldn't complete the session and worked into deload and sometimes it takes that sort of little bit of pushing too far to know that okay that that's my point where i need to work towards um because you'll see it, your your numbers will start to drop off and you'll you'll see that you're not causing um overload you'll find that your uh, like your bar speed will start to slow down as well execution and just general fatigue through the sessions you'll get to the end of the session and feel like you're absolutely beat up and you just want to sleep and that's that's all it is like 
periodization in the sense of like the actual word came from like the the, the sporting management like um side of things like strength and conditioning where we're sort of breaking up our our training programs into specific phases um to lead into competitions whether that's from like the olympics where you could have four year long periodized training plans that are you have your macro cycle micro cycle um mesocycles that lead into that over the four years for the olympics um or you have like your seasonal sports of like rugby football that you'll have your off season like your in season that facilitate your programming for that all we're really doing with periodization for our training and sort of general public is to manage that fatigue stress and overload to enable us to progress further and make as good a progress as we can and that's where it can be a bit more flexible because we don't have to be ready for like certain dates to um, be at a peak performance. It's just like, okay, we're just managing our fatigue and looking to make progress in the gym and in our bodies and feel good. So if, if you've got a holiday coming up um, next week and you've already done uh, like your four or five weeks of training, tie your deload in with your holiday because like you don't have to train when you're away on holiday and you can just enjoy that but if you have like a, uh, bigger goals then you you might but most people don't so yep. it's just a way of managing your training beautiful i have nothing to add other than you'll know at the point where you really start learning how to push yourself you will just know because yeah. week five, week six will come around and you will be dying for the reduction in volume. Whereas in your first couple of mesocycles, especially if it's the first time you've ever run a periodized training program, you will not feel like you need it. You'll be questioning your coach going, I and I could do more. I could do more. But trust us when we say we'd much yeah. rather deload you slightly ahead rather than watch you burn out. Yeah. Um, we have to do one more question because I got very triggered and wrote a post on it this week. So there's <laughs> one more. Okay. Um, so it, the question is how to diet when nobody around you is supportive, yet they're critical when you don't achieve. And <laughs> a few people laughed at me because I went straight in with a post that was like, your body is your prerogative and nobody else's. So basically, Brutal Harriet says two fingers up to people because it actually doesn't matter what you do. And you cannot always please everybody. Your family, your friends will always, rightly or wrongly, have a judgment on what you're doing or what you're not doing. And the minute you tell anybody that your goal is fat loss, they really love to go in on, but you're perfect the way you are. You don't need to diet. Why do you want to do that? Or even when you say, I'm going to join a gym, they're like, but why do you need to ex Why do you need to join a gym? Because the gym and dieting is synonymous with lean, veiny bodybuilders. But actually, exercise for health, being aware of what you put in your mouth are, that sounded rude, um, are great <laughs> things. <laughs> always be aware harriet always be aware always be aware of what's going in your mouth ladies and gentlemen um keep it closed most of the time but, <laughs> but being, you know, being aware of 
your protein your fruit and veg intake in the main that's actually a really healthy way to live because we've developed a nation of people or a world of people where we now think it's acceptable to eat out multiple times a week and to not really have any fruits or vegetables and to just be running below par but think that oh it's all right or deal with you know yeah injury niggles that might come from being overweight or be, just being unhealthy being sedentary but we'd rather pay a chiropractor to fix our back because we sit down like a sloth all day and don't do anything rather than we would go for a walk or learn to strengthen our muscles ourselves so you can't please everybody no and you can you can see it like to a major degree on social media like the amount of times I've posted a, a picture when I was lean or something and you I have like half a dozen comments of like, oh, you're in great shape. That looks really good. And another half of comments being like, oh, that's disgusting. Like I can see your veins, I can see all that. And like people have different different opinions on different like levels of leanness or the way things are. Like you could what pleases one person isn't going to please another and like there's no point trying because you'll just burn yourself out trying to please other people just work to improve yourself work on your goals and what you want what you enjoy and those things will change over time but just acknowledging that and feeling happy within yourself and what it is that you want at that moment in time yeah. and that's all that really matters and on the bit where this this person has asked but when people are critical when you don't achieve I think in the same vein if they're not supporting you or cheering you on or offering constructive criticism then potentially at a very, a very strong end of the spectrum reevaluate their place in your life because why do you want to be constantly surrounding yourself with people who aren't supportive of you yeah um I like to think I'm a very supportive friend I will encourage my friends to do all sorts except for my best friend to get yet more lip filler in because she looks beautiful um and we've had this this morning but I think I want some more I'm like no babe you don't need any more <laughs> um, I'm not being friends with a fish but you know you need like you need some friends that will call you out when you're being a bit of a dick yeah. and I had quite a frank conversation with one of my best friends the other day who um expressed that when uh, in about 2014-15 I was kind of at my smallest she was like we were all actually quite worried about you I'm quite grateful that they didn't talk to me I wouldn't have listened to be honest then but they can now express that and we can have quite an adult conversation about things but your friends don't always need to agree with you but they need to know when to support you and maybe when to have frank and honest conversations whilst yeah. being compassionate and thoughtful of your feelings um but you'll be achieving things day in day out and if it's just not one person's measure of success sometimes you've got to just be content with your path focused on what you want to achieve and kind of have blinkers on to everybody yeah. else as long as you feel good yeah. And if I listened to every single person that told me, oh, don't lift that or, oh, are you sure that's OK for you? Or, oh, don't get too muscly. 
I just I probably wouldn't still be doing this job because everybody loves to have an opinion and that's because actually a lot of the population don't understand that the gym is more than steroids and bodybuilders yeah you know it's it's, it's a lot more than that but they allow their projection of the fact that they're nervous about the gym or they're scared of the gym or they don't like exercise to be pushed onto you. Yeah, very well put, I think. Thank you. That was rare for me. Completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. And there's more for part two. There's actually loads more. There's cool. We'll get them done. uh, Part two. Plenty more questions. All right. Thanks for that. Perfect.